Right to be read podcast, episode number 33. Interview with Chad Allen. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone. It's Annie here. And I can't believe we're already at episode number 33. I had so much fun along the way that I didn't even notice how these three months passed. I really hope that you had fun too. And we will have a long journey together in finding out different solutions for self-publishing and making our books successful and read by many people around the world. Of course, as always, in the process, life will be bringing different challenges to us. And actually, today, my guest, Chad Allen, reconfirmed uh, what I had discovered myself. And that is that the biggest challenge, the number one challenge for the writers is challenge with writing the book and that many need help getting started and actually it's funny because just a few days ago I launched a program which will help you overcome that challenge and I will be next to you in starting period where you need the most encouragement and inspiration and besides that the real practical knowledge and the plan how to move forward forward. So basically, we will work together as partners to make your book a success. And we will come up with a strategy with a practical marketing and publishing action plan and another website where readers will be able to find you. And basically, as a result, you will have everything set up for your starting stage for your first step in this exciting journey of becoming an author so if you will be interested working with me just go over and check the details on the website at www.annialexander.com backslash get help and you will have all the details there you will see the testimonials you will see what exactly i offer and decide if we will be a good fit or not Well, let's get back to our guest and start the show. Today, I'm talking to Chad Allen. He's a writer, editor, speaker, and creativity coach. He also serves as an editorial director for Baker Publishing Group, which is one of the most influential Christian book publishers in the world. Chad had over 15 years of experience in the book publishing industry and has worked with many best-selling authors. Hello, Chad, and welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you here. Hey, Ani. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, from the intro, which I've got from your website, uh, I've come across the term creativity coach. So can you explain what exactly does it mean? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. And, I, you know, I'm not sure that uh, that many people have have used that term before. But, you know, I... I feel deeply called to help creative people do their best work. And so as I thought about the kind of coaching I wanted to do, you know, I do manuscript coaching, I do book proposal coaching, I do personal development coaching. Uh, and I was thinking, what's what's a word that would kind of summarize all of that? And so that's, that's how I came to creativity coaching. It, it's perhaps a little... Um, what's the word, uh, a little pretentious or something, but, <laughs> but um, it, it, it seemed to capture all those different pieces. Basically, what I feel passionate about is helping people 
kind of reach their creative potential. Um, so that's uh, that's where that term comes from. Well, uh, the term is very, it sounds very attractive in any case. So, you know, ah, when, good, good. <laughs> so when one here, I didn't know what exactly did it mean, but it was really kind of very attractive, especially for writers, because we definitely feel uh, part of the, you know, creative bunch. <laughs> yeah, so right. since you worked with many different writers, what do you think? What is the biggest struggles they usually have? Mm-hmm. I asked that question, well, a, a very similar question in a survey not too long ago. I asked, I asked writers, you know, what's your number one challenge with, with writing a book? And the, the response I get most, I get a number of different responses, but the one I get most is I need help getting started. Um, you know, I have a few ideas, um, but I don't know how to kind of launch into the process and actually get going. Um, and so that's that's one of the big hurdles uh, that I hear. Another one um, is I don't have enough time. You know, with a lot of us have, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts all sorts of commitments, and so that's a big a big issue is I don't have enough time. So those those are the probably the two um, main challenges that I that I hear about from people as I talk to them. And most probably those two are interconnected because maybe they don't, they can't start because they don't have the time to start. And then uh, the other way around, when there is no time, it's not much you can do about that. Although with time, I think not having time is a bit, it depends how you look at it. Because, for example, when I left my corporate job, I had at least, you know, I freed up at least minimum 10 hours from my day. And it happened so that I didn't do much, but at the same time, I felt that I didn't have time either. And what I realized was I did everything much slower because I wasn't in a rush, I wasn't in a hurry. And I also accepted many time killers in my day because I could afford that already. So I was basically you know, procrastinating a lot and not using the time effectively. And so I'm sure that within the day, if people have a look, they might find different slots of time, which they basically just kill. And they can maybe, you know, take those and use for writing. Yeah, time is is interesting. I, you know, I tend to think that a time problem or the problem of a lack of time is probably more a problem of um, mission and priorities. I think when we have a really clear mission of what we want to accomplish mm-hmm. and our priorities are aligned with that mission, we, we find the time. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the presenting issue is often lack of time, but the underlying, um, causes have more to do with clarity of focus and prioritization. That's, that's been true in my experience at least. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that reminds me what Chris Brogan told in his interview. He said, I don't work on time, I work on priorities, because everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. So the time is the same every day for everyone. So yes, uh, I guess it's, it's just a matter of making the writing a priority and commitment, most probably, once it's like, it's put like that, then the time will come for that as well. Maybe, I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So the other thing which I came across with writers is those who start very often quit because they say that at some point we got stuck and we had a writer's block. So do you believe in such thing as the writer's block? Sure. I and and Ani, you know, I'm a nonfiction editor. I know you write a lot of a lot of uh, fiction, but um, I'm a I'm a nonfiction editor for the most part, and um, yeah, sure. Writer's block is certainly a reality. Um, I I like to encourage people, um, you know, to start with uh, a book proposal because as you write a book proposal, you are creating a plan uh, for the writing. So there's just there's at least um, a direction that you're headed. If you, you know, in, in writing a book proposal, you have to write a chapter by chapter synopsis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you at least know where you're where you're going. Now, writer's block still happens, and I definitely recommend taking a breather now and again. Um, but um, if if a person just starts writing a book without without that process of writing a book proposal, um, you know, it's like walking into a forest with without a trail or a map. You know, you're going to get lost and befuddled pretty, pretty quickly. So, um, so I do think writer's block is a reality, but I think writing a book proposal can really help with that problem. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. So then they can, you know, they, they know what they have to write about. And if they get stuck, they just refer to the proposal and go through the points, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Also, besides the writer's block, which is like the extreme illustration of the things, there's also something that I, I, I'm absolutely sure that all writers don't really feel the same way every day while writing. So they, they are getting some bad days when they don't really feel like writing and they just have, they feel like they have to. It's not something that comes naturally at that certain point. So do you have any tips about what to do on those days when you're not really inspired about this, but you have a deadline or you've committed to write every day? Uh, What should they do on those bad days? Yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's important to have a commitment in terms of just a word count commitment. Um, and then to dangle a carrot in front of yourself, as we say in the in the states, um, you know, what, how are you going to reward yourself after you've accomplished whatever goal you've set for yourself? Is it, you know, is it a walk in a park? Is it, uh, you know, a trip to the bookstore to pick out a, you know, a book? Is it uh, time with friends? Is it a nice meal? You know, so give yourself some kind of reward. Uh, set it out there as something that you're going to get to enjoy if you accomplish whatever goal you've set uh, for yourself. And that's, that's at least in my case, that, that helps motivate me. Okay, I see. So you, have, you bear that reward in mind and then get the motivation to do things in order to get the reward at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, that's that's a nice strategy. I never did that, so I have to try. <laughs> <laughs> well, also since you uh, mentioned that you're also an editor, well, as a writer, I have not very good relationship with editing actually like some or many writers i i hate editing so is there any way to make it a more pleasant process (laughs) or there's no way well that's a good question um i first of all i think um i think it's important to distinguish between the writing and the editing process and that 
and that writers not try to do both at once. Mm -hmm. So when you're writing, give yourself the space to just write and don't worry about editing. Um, And then when it comes to editing, and I assume we're talking about self-editing. Yes, um, in this case. I think it's it's important to recognize that, you know, when you write, you're creating an experience for your readers. Um, And so the, the whole goal of the editing process is to make that experience as compelling and winsome as as it can be, or as, or as engaging as it can be. So I think, you know, keeping that vision in mind that, um, that you are, as you edit, you're making the experience that much better for your readers. Keeping that vision in mind will perhaps make it a little less, um, burdensome, but you know, the other, the other thing that can make it more enjoyable is just involving other people. Um, you know, trying to do it on your own can sometimes be tough. Mm-hmm. So asking friends or hiring someone to help you can make it a lot more a lot more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I see. So how is it? Actually, I don't know how the right way is. Uh, usually what I'm doing is I'm writing my book like the first draft and then I self-edit it as much as I can, let's say, because English is not my native language, but I write in English. So, you know, I do my best, but apparently the, even the self-edited version is is far away from being perfect. And then I send it to editor to, to professionally edit the text. So is this the right procedure or, you know, how how is it done usually? Well, you know, it all depends on whether you're self-publishing or you're or working with a traditional publisher you know i i work for a traditional publisher so what happens in my world is i receive i usually i actually uh request the first uh few chapters as the writer writes them now this is after you know we have gone through the book proposal process and we've probably done some interaction uh, around the book proposal and the book concept and the, and the uh, structure for the content, et cetera. So now we're at the point of actually writing some of the chapters. And I asked for a few chapters um, up front so I can read them and give the, the writer some upfront input um, mm-hmm. so they can keep that in mind as they do the rest of the writing. Um, and then when the full manuscript comes in, um, you know, I review the manuscript and um, in 90, you know, 90% of the cases, the manuscript is in a shape where I can work with it and give some, give some suggestions. And this is what I call a developmental edit. So it's not a copy edit. It's a developmental mm-hmm. edit. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking for whether there are gaps in the argument the author is making or, um, you know, conceptual hurdles. They're making the, the reader jump that they shouldn't have to jump, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then I give it back to the writer with, uh, with my comments so that he or she can, um, can make those changes to the manuscript and then, and then resubmit it. And then eventually, you know, it's ready for what we call copy editing. And I actually don't, I don't handle that anymore. I used to, um, but I, but now I transferred on to a copy editor who does, who does what we in the States call line editing. And that's when you go line by line and you're mm-hmm. looking for things like sentence structure and grammar and punctuation and that kind of thing. Um, so, um, so that's how it works um, where w- w- in my context, um, now there are a few cases where the manuscript is in such bad shape that I, 
you know, I give them, I give the author some suggestions, but I don't necessarily read through the whole manuscript. I just tell them, you know, this needs, this needs more work before you send it to me. Um, but that's, mm. that's rare. If we've given a, if we've given a writer a contract, um, hopefully we've done enough work to know that that writer can deliver a pretty solid manuscript from the beginning. Does that, does that help understand, help yeah. you understand? Yeah, kind of, absolutely. Kind of, I mean, yeah. uh, I'm not very familiar with the traditional publishing because I will be signing a contract only at the end of this month. So I don't know the details and I don't know how it works, but yes, it's clear and it's very, so, so when one gets a contract with a traditional publisher, you set a deadline when the, you know, the manuscript should be ready for. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the process you mentioned just goes like that. So you get the, t- the manuscript to work on and then make the suggestions and it goes back and forth. So, and I presume this means that compared to self-publishing, most probably, or I'm mistaken, I don't know, most probably these processes are much, much slower. With self-publishing or with traditional publishing? And the tradi- traditional yeah. publisher ah, is yeah. much slower than the self-publishing processes um yeah at least potentially i mean self with self-publishing you 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 know you just have fewer um parties who are interested um you know i shouldn't say that in other words we have we have a whole structure that we have to adhere to driven by accounts that have placed orders for our books so those accounts need enough lead time uh, between uh, you know when the book's announced and when it's actually available, that they can do their own promotion and uh, you know and 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 get the get the book placed. Um, so so that marketing system takes takes um, quite a bit of time in and of itself. So you know we're announcing books uh, six to eight months before they're actually released before they're actually mm-hmm. available. So if we're going to announce books, we need to know enough about that book to be able to make the announcement. So that typically means another six months tacked onto that. So it's not uncommon for us to receive the first draft of a manuscript and then not publish it until a year later. And so, yeah, self-publishing can happen a lot faster, obviously. Okay. So in average, it it takes one year for the the traditional... yeah. Yeah, from the first complete draft to um, to publishing, I wouldn't say it's an average. I would say it's an ideal. Um, that's that's the kind of schedule we like to work with on the publishing end. We we work with much shorter time frames all the time, um, especially when there's a promotional event that we want to leverage, um, you know, for the sake of the book. Mm-hmm. But but in an ideal world, in a perfect world, we'd have that amount of time to. Do the developmental edit, the copy edit, the proofing, the printing, the you know the binding, the shipping. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, as you mentioned, one has to distinguish and separate the writing and the editing. Actually, I had conversations with few writers who had this problem. They couldn't complete their book because while writing, they were going back and editing the text all the time. So they were going back and forth all the time and not making too much progress because they were working on whatever they have written, like a few pages, and they weren't 
able to move forward. So how can this issue be solved? I mean, uh, do is it ideal to just, you know, how long do you have to write and then go back and edit? Should you f- completely finish your first draft and then start self-editing? Or which is the more effective way to do that? That's good. Well, I, I, I tend to um, listen to and agree with Anne Lamott, author of Bird by Bird, as well as some other books. Mm-hmm. And she says two things about this. One thing, or she says at least two things about this. One of the things she says is that she has this great line in Bird by Bird, uh, perfectionism is the enemy of the people, you know, yeah. <laughs> which I think is terrific. And I, I think people that struggle with, with, um, let's say prematurely self-editing are people who um, are letting perfectionism become their enemy. We have to, as writers, um, reject perfectionism for the sake of, you know, productivity and creativity um, and get, get a piece of writing down um, before a significant piece of writing down before we try to edit it. Otherwise, yeah, that's what's going to happen. We're never going to get, we're never going to get things done. Um, so I, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be so dogmatic as to say you must write your, your, your full manuscript before going back to edit any of it. I don't know that I'd be that, um, adamant, but you, you definitely want to have, you want to, to clear your, 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 you know, your mind of the editing voice and, and simply write for some significant period of time before you go back over and edit it. Um, for one thing, like W.H. Auden said, you know, how do I know what I think until I see what I say? You have to let yourself write for a while before you really know what it is that's within you. And if you're always editing, you'll never, your, your own voice will never have really have a chance to, to come out. Um, so anyway, hopefully something is, is helpful about, about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you worked with many best-selling authors. So could you predict that they would become best-selling authors when you saw their what they've written? Well, you know, some authors have a track record um, of being best-selling authors. So in those cases, you know, um, you you certainly have higher hopes um, than when you're working with a new writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so there's that, that element that helps, you know, helps with the, uh, ability to predict. Um, and then, you know, there are some concepts that are just so winsome that you think, uh, this, this, you, you just have this feeling that this is really going to touch a nerve out there, uh, or the story is so good. The writing is so good that you, you know, as you're working on it, you realize, wow, we may really have something here. Um, so, you know, those are the, and by the way, those, those have directly to do with kind of the three main elements of publishing success, a writer's platform. If a writer has a success record, a, a best-selling record, then they probably have a platform. Um, and platform I just define as, you know, your own ability to bring exposure to your book. The concept, which is, you know, what is, what's the purpose of your book? What's the title of your book? And then the writing, um, so platform concept writing, um, those are the three elements that, um, that contribute to whether or not a book is going to be successful. 
Is there anything in, I mean, I don't know if it's the personality or anything. Have you seen any common things, um, similarities among best-selling authors, which differentiate them from the other writers? Oh, that's great. I love that question. Um, yes, I would say that a couple things. Um, one is commitment to the craft. Um, best-selling writers... Um, that I've worked with are committed to writing as an art in and of itself. Um, mm -hmm. And um, they, you know, they're just, they're just interested in that. They want to become good writers. They want to, to improve um, at, at their, at their craft. Um, and then the other would be um, a tenacity, um, you know, determination to mm -hmm. really hustle and promote their work and just keep at it doggedly, you know, um, I would say those two, those two things kind of, kind of separate the, um, the novices from the ones that really, that really, um, uh, succeed out there in the marketplace. Um, now there are probably a lot of writers who are both committed to the craft and really determined and they never, They, ne they still never experience um, great success in their in their writing, um, but certainly those who do succeed, the ones I've worked with, um, they don't succeed without those two those two elements. Um, so that, that those would be the two that I'd point to. Okay, and the other way around, I think that you know, if if those two two elements are not there, even if the book itself, in terms of qualities, is a very good book, it still may not make it right because those two elements were crucial. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, and you know, I would say that um, my advice to writers is, uh, if you really want to make a career of this, you know. Um, just realize that it's probably going to take more than one book before, before you're known out there. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways getting the first book behind you is a huge step because then you can start focus on, focusing on the next one and the next one. So, um, you know, commitment, uh, commitment over the long haul to, to become better at your craft and to slowly build your tribe, the, the group of people out there that is interested in what you're doing That, that really does make the difference, I think. Okay, you mentioned uh, art, and which made me think about commerce as well. Because while talking to some traditional publishers, when they are looking at your manuscript or the summary of the book, you know, before they decide whether they would be interested potentially in you or not, they, while looking at the book, they determine the commercial potential commercial value of the book. So how is it determined? Are there any market trends which they are looking at? I mean, how do, or is it just the, the feeling they have based on their experience in the market? Uh, how do they determine whether the book is commercially, I mean, can be commercially justified or not in the future? Right. Um, yeah, it's a huge part of, of the publishing publishing process. And again, I would point to those three things, um, concept, platform, and writing. The number one reason we turn books down in, at the, you know, where I work is lack of platform, lack of an ability to, um, to help people know that your book is available. Um, 
if, if you don't have a tribe of people who are interested in what you're doing, the chances that your, your book is going to be, uh, you know, uh, successful are pretty slim. It does happen. I mean, the, we can all point to examples of books by authors who didn't really have a lot going on and then they wrote this book and it took off. It happens, but it's much more often the case that a book does well because an author does have um, does have a following. Um, so that's that's a, a huge element. And then I don't want to and, and would encourage your listeners not to neglect um, the, the concept working hard on um, what you know the purpose of your book what it's trying to do working on the title the working title and subtitle um that's all all under that heading of concept and then the writing you know and there's no shortcut to becoming a good writer it just it just takes time and and determination so um when when we as a as a company are reviewing a book project, those are the three things we're looking for. What's the platform? What's the concept? And how good is the writing? Okay, I see. So it means that um, these days writers, uh, if they would prefer only to write, that's not the case. I mean, they can't do it anymore these days. Uh, parallel to writing, they also have to promote their books, which they have already written, and also uh, parallel to that, they have to continue building their audience and building their platform. Right. I mean, I think I think there are a few a few writers out there who basically spend their time just writing, um, and they've become so successful that the market anticipates their next release. And they make enough money that they can do that. Um, but that takes a long time. It takes a long time to get there, typically. Again, we can all point to exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the vast majority of us are going to have to um, promote what we're writing. Um, and by the way, that's not self-promotion. That's, that's book promotion. I think there's yeah. a huge distinction there. Um, and... Um, yeah, and work really hard at that piece um, and and serving a group of people over time um, so that uh, there is enough market value in what you're doing that you you, you, you do have a little more over free, you know, a little more freedom to uh, to simply write. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. but, but I think I think for the vast majority of people, it just simply takes time. It's a slow and steady process. Yeah. Yeah, the patience is something they really need to have. And I'm really bad in that, to be honest, <laughs> myself. So yeah. uh, I yeah. think that usually writers are quite impatient people. So it's uh, it's maybe the hardest uh, part of getting there. But when you say promoting the book, uh, how much is the role of the traditional publisher in that? Because if you're <laughs> self-published, of course, it's on all and completely on you but right. what about if you have a contract and you have a publisher who i don't know should he get a role in that as well or not yeah that's good well not all publishers are the same um for one thing and in, in my context we assign a marketing budget to every every book that we publish um and we create a marketing plan and we interact with the author about that plan um but I'll, I'll tell you, Ani, um, you know, the books that do really well out there, they typically don't do really well because a publisher was so clever 
or because a publisher puts so much money behind it. They typically are successful or best-selling because of something the author does or because of several things the author um, uh, does to, to get the word out there, to, uh, to have written a book that just really um, you know, gets the word of mouth going. I mean, you know, I've been at this now for over 15 years, and the books that do well do well not because of some genius on the part of the publisher. It's usually because of, um, some, frankly, some genius or or major hustle on the part of the of the writer. So definitely, the traditional publisher has some resources, and um, and you know, a publisher worth its salt is going to make the best possible use of those resources to get as much bang for their buck as they can. But um, few, few are the cases where, you know, the publisher turned a book into a success. It's much more often uh, the writer who makes that happen. Mm-hmm. I see. And maybe before we wrap up, I would like to go back and tell that you also have your personal blog for writers, right? It's targeted mainly for writers. Writers... Writers um, are a huge part of my audience, and then creatives and entrepreneurs also. Okay, so what made you uh, decide to create a blog and write for creative people? I I have just, um, you know, I, I just feel deeply called to help um, people um, manifest their creative potential. That's just something deep within me. Um, You know, I'm a person of faith, and I think maybe that's that's uh, God's calling on my life. And I thought, well, if I want to do that, what's the best way to do it? And um, and over time, you know, I've been blogging now for about three years. It was a process. I had started a blog, and and then I quit it. You know, yeah. um, and uh, and then I just I don't know. I I might have seen a talk or read a book somewhere along the way, and I just realized, no, this this really is something I want to do and, and I want to get serious about it. And, um, and it's been hugely rewarding. You know, I just published a post on uh, five brilliant things writers can do to overcome a small platform and to read the comments that I'm getting on that post and be able to interact with people and encourage them. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's terrifically gratifying uh, work. So Um, so that's why I decided to do it. I wanted to help people. Okay. So where, where online the, uh, my listeners can find you? Yeah, I'm at Chad R. Allen. Uh, so Chad R. A. L. L. E. N. Dot com. Okay, so and there uh, they can get. Uh, well, I, I I went there and I'm I'm sure that there is plenty of valuable information and as well as you mentioned encouragement over there. So they should definitely need to check it out and see what you have there for them. Thanks, Ali. Okay, well, thank you very much for the chat. I found out many new things for myself because uh, that we up to now we didn't cover so much the traditional part of the publishing and we spoke more about the self-publishing so here we found out many new things 
And also, uh, I'm sure that the insights you gave and the different tips you mentioned with, will help newbie writers a lot. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming over. And I wish you success with everything you do with the creative souls. <laughs> Thanks, Ani. And congratulations on being one of, if not the only podcaster in Armenia. <laughs> I, wish you, I wish you all success, and it's been a great honor to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I'm sure that you paid attention and realized how important building and owning your own platform is. And I would like to mention that it does not apply only to the traditional publisher, but to self-publishing also. So just don't waste time while writing Parallel to that, try to build your own platform, try to get read potential readers around you, build relationships and make sure that by the time your book is out, you're already all set and you have people who impatiently are waiting for your book. Well, that was it for today. So two small reminders as well. Um, first of all, I'm still offering free resources for writers at www.anialexander.com backslash free. So you can go and download those. As well as if you would like to get engaged in discussions and meet other Right to Be Read listeners and get in touch with me as well, please come over and join our closed Facebook group at www.anialexander.com backslash Facebook. I would also like to remind you that I'm also interviewing Right to be Read podcast listeners. So if you are my listener and would like to be interviewed by me, just send an email to ani at anialexander.com, ani spelled A-N-I, and let me know what's the interesting story that you want to share with our listeners and why you should be the one who has to be interviewed. Just let me know, tell your story, and I will definitely get back to you soon. Well, that was it. So go ahead, write your dose of writing for today, start working on building your audience, and I'll meet you in the next episode.